Hello, everybody. Dr. Joe Vitale here with another interview for Hypnotic Gold members only. And this is going to be a breakthrough interview. I've been doing these for over four years now. But I found somebody here that I'm so excited about, I can't wait to jump into this. Before I introduce him, I want to make sure he's actually on the line, so we're going to be recording him. Can you just say hello? Hello. Oh, good hello. That was a great hello. Very friendly, too. Well, who I have on the line is Morty Lefko. Morty Lefko is pretty fascinating. I just met him in Bermuda at a conference we attended, and we're both members of the same group that uh, that conference was about. Morty Lefko has dedicated his life to assisting people to free themselves from their self-imposed limitations, thereby creating exciting new possibilities for their lives. Well, what does that mean? He has found that our limitations are based on beliefs, beliefs such as mistakes are bad, I'm not good enough, life is difficult, relationships are hard, and so forth. He has found that beliefs such as these underlie virtually every behavioral or emotional problem you or I might have. These problems range from serious issues such as eating disorders, post-traumatic stress disorder, and anxiety to everyday complaints about such things as procrastination, fear of public speaking, relationship difficulties, and, of course, even making money. So what happened here is that Morty has discovered, and we'll get him to explain how he discovered it, a way to find and eliminate beliefs. It's called the Lefko Belief Process, and it's a simple method that quickly and permanently eliminates our often unconscious beliefs. Now, he started this around 1985, so he's been working with a whole lot of people. I think he's worked with over 13,000 individuals in 32 countries around the world, to help them make fundamental permanent change in their life. Now, this, of course, is pretty amazing. Morty also wrote a book called Recreate Your Life, Transforming Yourself and Your World from 1997. That came out. I've read it. I think it's a work of genius. I think it's a masterpiece, and I'm already nudging him to update it and to write more about what he's most currently been doing. But he didn't stop there. Morty and his associates also have worked with over 10,000 employees at over 50 companies, including such firms as GM, Tenneco, Carter, Howley, Hale, TRW, Lanzan, and almost half of the Bell Telephone companies. This goes on and on. Obviously, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's written over 100 articles and columns for such publications as Fortune, Wall Street Journal, Advanced Management Journal, and the New York Times. He has appeared on over 100 radio and TV shows, including Today, ABC World News Today, and Fox Cable News. He's written about, he's been written about extensively in the New York Times and a number of other publications. I can just go on and on with this guy. So what we're talking about is beliefs, how to find them, how to release them once and for all forever with my hero and my friend, the belief expert, Morty Lefko. Morty, thank you for being here. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm overwhelmed. <laughs> hey, that was just you, just about you. Just, well, thank uh, you so much for that that uh, that kind introduction. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you for making the time to do this for my my uh, hypnotic gold subscribers. We want to jump right in. And before you even tell me how you found this process or created this process, I think there's something we all need to know. What is a belief? Well, my personal definition, the way I define it, the way I work with it, is it's the, the way we view reality. Belief is something we think is true. 
And it's basically a sense that this is the way reality is. If you believe relationships don't work, you think that's a fact in reality. If you think life is hard, well, it is. That's the way reality is. And if you have a belief about yourself, I'm not good enough, you really believe I am not good enough. That is a fact. So a belief is something we, a statement about reality that we experience as the truth. And we live from that, because you know that I've written about this myself, saying basically that we live in a belief-created universe, that whatever your reality is is based on beliefs. So you've taken that to such great depth and gone much further than that by actually finding the beliefs that aren't serving us and then helping us to actually eliminate them, as I understand it. Yes, and, and I, I agree with the, the statement you just made totally, and I'd just like to spend one second sort of sure. giving a little bit of an explanation why. Why do beliefs have such power over us? Why do they determine what we think, feel, and do, etc.? And it's my, the, the definition I gave a moment ago, really implicit in what I said, is the answer. Outside of an asylum where they put us away, people live consistently with reality. We know that if we step out of a tall building, we are going to fall. We know if we hit somebody, we're either going to get hit back or get arrested or something like that. We know this is the way reality is. So unless you're totally detached and have serious psychological problems, we try to act consistently with reality. We, we act in, in a way to make reality work for us because mm. this is the way the world is. A belief is a statement about reality we think is true. So we are dealing consistently with reality if we say relationships don't work, then that's as much a fact of reality for us as gravity. So if we believe the way reality is is relationships don't work, we're probably not going to get into one. If we do it, we're going to assume it's not going to work out. We'll sabotage it, etc. So we deal with, with reality as if it, we need to deal with reality, and our beliefs are nothing more than those aspects of reality we think are true. Well, this is a good so place we to... have to deal with that. So that, yeah. that sort of gives you a sense as to, well, why do I live according to my beliefs? It's not that beliefs are something separate. We live according to our beliefs because for us, that is the way the world really is. Oh, boy, this is going to be a fascinating conversation because I want to jump in and start exploring beliefs. But the first thing I think I should do here, now that we've, we've talked about beliefs themselves, how in the world did you develop your own personal belief elimination process? You couldn't have been born with this. This is something that you you discovered or created or what happened? Well, I, I well, I don't like to say the word channeled, but it sort of came through me. I can't really mm -hmm. take credit for it. But the basic answer to that is I'll give you the specifics, but it's probably the way you develop most of your stuff. And most people who develop something is it's trying to deal with your own life and trying to to, uh, to understand something about yourself, and you discover something that helps you, but at the same time helps a lot of other people. So earlier in my life, I was two things, individually and professionally. I was noticing something. And professionally, I was a management consultant giving advice to organizations and noticing that for the most part, they said, Morty, this is good stuff. We never thought of this. It's well worth the, the, uh, the money you charged us. You've given us a solution that I think is going to be good for us. And Six months later, nine times out of ten, they didn't do it. Hmm. And I couldn't figure out why somebody would pay me money to give them advice as to how to be more successful, agree that my advice was good, but still not implement it. Hmm. And while I was puzzling on that, I noticed that there were all kinds of things that I did in my life that I knew didn't make sense. I got involved in relationships I knew I shouldn't. 
Uh, I didn't exercise as much as I knew I should, and I noticed that my friends were the same. So I started saying, why do people do what they do? What determines people's behavior? And the conventional answer, whether people are aware of it or not, but what's implied in virtually all uh, behavior is the idea that our behavior is a function of information and motivation. We bring up our kids that way. We deal with employees that way. We train people that way. We help our friends that way. We, we assume that if people know what to do and they have a negative motivation to do what they're now doing and a positive motivation to do something new, they will change. The problem is, when you take a look at it, how often have you known what to do and been motivated <laughs> to do it and not done it? Exactly. So even though that's the assumption underneath most attempts to change, when you look carefully at it, you realize it doesn't really work. Hmm. Well, so what do most people assume? If it's supposed to work, well, if it's supposed to work, then it's got to be that you're too stubborn and resistant to do what you're supposed to do, hmm. and maybe I'm a lousy communicator. But it's one of those two, because this is what's supposed to work. And what I did is I assumed, well, maybe it's the theory that's wrong rather than the implementation. Maybe it's not information and motivation that determines behavior and change, but our beliefs. And once I realized that, I said, okay, now, if that's really what determines what we do, our ability to change, etc., how do you change beliefs? And I struggled with that for a long, long time. And back, as you said, in 1985, I was reading the CES material, uh, which had to do with, you know, uh, uh, creating your own reality. Oh, the famous and, Jane Roberts uh, material, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, that, was, that, was, that was my first exposure to that kind of stuff, and that was real interesting. And one day, the story goes, as I was on a, a plane from New York to uh, California to make a proposal to an organization where we were going to try to do something about changing some beliefs in order to uh, change some behavior. And I wasn't sure exactly how, but I was going to play around and do something. And as I started, I got the plane took off, I started thinking to myself, you know, there's an issue in my own life that's been a problem forever. And what the issue is, is I seem to get so close to success so many times, and it's just about mm. to happen, and then something goes wrong, and I then pick myself up, and, and as the song in swing time goes with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, <laughs> I pick myself up, dust myself off, and I start it all over again. And I started to notice that, wait a minute, I'm proud of that. I actually see myself, I mean, I'm actually, one of the distinguishing great things about me is I'm somebody who never gives up. I will keep going no matter how bad it gets. Hmm. And my friends actually complimented me on that quality. And it suddenly hit me, if I had the belief what makes me a worthwhile person is overcoming obstacles, hmm. what would I put a lot of in my life? Obstacles. Not success, but obstacles. And then I said, okay, well, now, that, now my life is starting to make sense. So now what? Where did that come from? And I journaled for five hours. I just wrote, and I had about 20 pages or something worth of writing. Uh, this is before we had laptops. So yeah. I just wrote the whole time. And when I landed, I felt different. Some, something was different. And I made the presentation, and the next day they called me and gave me the job. And then my company took off. I went from $50,000 as a consultant that year to over a million dollars with a company the next year. And I started looking to say, what happened? And buried in 20 pages of notes was the essence of what became the left go belief process. Wow. And uh, it took me three or four years till I could figure out how it worked and why it worked. I just knew if you asked certain questions, beliefs would go away. 
And as I tried to you know, work on it and understand it and applied it over and over, both in organizations and with individuals, eventually I started figuring out exactly how it worked and why it worked, at which point I was able to improve it. And it's a much more effective process today than it was then. But on that day, January 2nd, 1985, uh, that was when the initial process got created. Well, that's a historic moment, and you got it right down yes, to the date. <laughs> the yep. second day of the new year. Talk about starting that's a new right. life. And talk about yep. getting confirmation. You went from, did you say 50000 to a million in your sales? Yep. Yep. I, I was a one-person consultant. By the end of the, that year, from that moment on, the end of 1985, we uh, had seven full-time employees, a bunch of independent contractors, and we grossed $1 million in the company. Well, congratulations on that, but that's firm evidence that you made a shift that showed up in the outer world. And I want people that are listening to realize that we have beliefs about money, we have beliefs about deservingness, and we have beliefs about uh, all aspects of this, our business, whether it's online or off, that actually are, I don't know if it just influences us or directly causes us to get or not get the results we say we want. In your case, $50,000 to a million, something shifted inside. And I just want to to emphasize, however, before I forget, Mm -hmm. it wasn't that one belief. That's what started it. And then once I had the process, I then started working on me and discovered a whole host of beliefs. I'm not good enough. I'll never get what I want. Money's hard to get. I mean, I discovered a whole bunch of beliefs uh, that I've since discovered in most other people, too. So it was uh, not just that one belief that turned it around. There's usually... Uh, a, a number of beliefs that cause any given problem in your life, be it money, relationships, or procrastination or whatever. There, there's generally more than one. In many cases, it could be 8, 10, 15. But I spent that year uh, working on myself. In fact, I taught the process to somebody I hired and uh, made that person available to me and everybody else in the company. Whenever we got stuck, we would call this lady up. Her name was Margie, and we would call her up, and she would use this process on us, on us to see what the barriers were, what was in our way. And I think that that's uh, what ultimately was responsible for the major changes in my life personally and uh, to some extent responsible for the success of my company because anytime anybody in the organization found any kind of a barrier, they would call up Margie and say, you know, what do I believe that's having this be a problem in my life? And she would help them get rid of it. Well, what's interesting about that is that you actually took an employee who didn't know anything about beliefs or your process, and you trained her to be your mentor, your coach, your belief counselor, if you will, which, mm-hmm. which suggests that any of us can learn to do this. Uh, yes and no. Yes, anybody can learn to do it, but given all of the, the, uh, the um, complexities that I've added since then, it's not something that I can do in, uh, in a couple hours or even a weekend. We have a... Uh, a three-week and a nine-day training program with wow. a lot of on-phone on, on coaching along the way. And we've discovered that although we've trained a bunch of people, it's really difficult for people uh, from all over the country, much less all over the world, to come in to uh, the San Francisco Bay Area three times, a year, three times in a six-month period for three days, mm. uh, plus everything else. So we're in the process of trying to find a way to create with all the new technology to use a webinar or something, and we're not sure what, to be able to create a training program online so that people will not have to uh, leave their homes or offices, and we can work with trained people all over the world. Uh, it would be a lot simpler and a lot cheaper. So we're working on that, and it's not done well, yet, but that's one of the goals for the, by the end of the year. 
That's a great goal. But one of the things that I admire about you is that you said you're looking at technology, but I also know you're already using technology. And this is something where all my listeners are going to get excited because, and I wanted you to explain this, but I'll introduce it. You've actually created a way for people to remove beliefs in front of their computer, going to their website and walking, being walked through an interactive video you've already created. So in other words, you've cloned yourself, put you inside the computer, you're leveraging the Internet, and people can go there and remove some of the most, the most core beliefs that virtually everybody on the planet shares. And correct me if I'm wrong with that. But I want to hear I, about I would it. agree. Well, well that's interesting. For, mm-hmm. we, we've now done this for, I guess, 24 years since 1985. It's now 2009. And uh, for the first uh, uh, 20-some years, uh, it required a... Um, either an in-person or a phone session with a trained facilitator to get rid of beliefs and all the beliefs you would need to get rid of in order to get rid of some you know, particular behavioral or emotional problem. And then at some point, uh, I developed a way to uh, put this, to turn it into an interactive process hmm. so that uh, by, by uh, seeing what was in common with all different kind of people, where did people get stuck, etc., I could find a generic way to help people eliminate beliefs. And uh, we turned it into an online program. Uh, and for a while, all we had was people being able to eliminate a few miscellaneous of the core common beliefs, like I'm not good enough, I'm not important, mistakes and failure are bad. And then we started realizing, well, this is nice, and people say, yeah, beliefs go away, and I feel better, and it's nice to have that weight off me. I, I no longer feel that I'm not good enough, which was a, a drag my whole life. But the real problems that people had to deal with weren't gone because they could have 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 beliefs. So then what I did is, well, which, which problems had we worked with enough that we would know exactly what beliefs, say, 90% of the population would have? And we put together eight different packages uh, of different combinations of beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, and they were a wide variety of issues, but there's some of the most common problems like procrastination, a lack of confidence, fear of rejection, worrying what people think of you, seeking approval all the time, um, high levels of stress, getting rid of that. And something that most people are aware of, there's always this critical little voice in your head that no matter what you do or whatever, there's always, well, you could have done better, you know, mm. always criticizing and sabotaging yourself, and, and a couple of others. So basically what we now have available is you can buy on a CD or a DVD uh, any one of the 23 beliefs that we've done uh, on a CD where you can just eliminate that one belief if that's all you want, or if you're saying, well, I don't want to eliminate a belief, I want to get rid of a problem, and I procrastinate, you can just buy a DVD that has the 10 or 12, whatever number of beliefs there are, and, and do that. And to make sure that we don't sell it to somebody for whom it doesn't work, which is only a small percentage of the population, but I don't want anybody to buy it that doesn't like it or doesn't agree with it or or doesn't want it, whatever. We set it up so that you could for free eliminate any one of those three most common beliefs. And then after you've done that, if you say, hey, it works, I like it, now I want to get rid of a problem, then you can go by, but you can still get one of the three beliefs for free. And the website for that is just www.recreateyourlife.com. Dot com, and that's where you get a free belief. RecreateYourLife.com. Well, I love it. From a marketing standpoint, you've got a wonderful process going on to get people to try your method for free, and we know free is the most powerful word out there. 
And then once they're on your mailing list, you can also create a relationship. But also once they've sampled your medicine, so to speak, and they've removed a belief and they feel the difference, they're more inclined to want to go and do more of them. So from the marketing aspect, I applaud you for doing that. Let's explore the belief aspect a little bit more because I know people are wondering how this actually works. They may have an understanding of beliefs. They may have a suspicion that they have beliefs about money, about life, about business, about the Internet, about deservingness, about all kind of things that are there. Some they're conscious, some they aren't conscious. So how does your process work? What's the essence of it? Um, I will uh, – let me think. Let me think how's the best way to, to – um, I think it would t- it's a five minute little exercise, but I hmm. think telling people about it is like trying to explain meditation to somebody. They say, "Yeah, I understand it," but they really have no idea what you're talking about mm-hmm. because it's really an experience, not a not an understanding. Mm-hmm. So I can do a little exercise. If you, you you know your audience, so you tell me if this is okay. Yeah. I can do something that I'm going to ask the audience to follow along and imagine something. And if you imagine it you'll see how the belief is formed, and if you stay with it, you'll see exactly what it takes to get rid of it. This do you think we could do great. this little exercise? Yes, this would be wonderful. Thank you. Let's do it. Okay, fine. So don't, if you're doing this driving a car, uh, stop it and wait till you get home. because It's not something for driving, but you certainly can be sitting around and, and listening because it's a few minutes I'd like you to close your eyes, and I want you to have full attention on what it is. But it's only five minutes, and you'll have a real insight into how we form our beliefs and what it takes to get rid of them. Okay, ready to go? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, fine. So what I'd like you to do is to close your eyes and imagine that you're a little child. You're still only three, four years old. And that you've got a mom and dad who really love you and who really care about you. And they take a look into the world and they say, you know, this is a very competitive world. This is a hard place. Now, I'd like my, my, my son or daughter to be successful, so... They can't just be good. They're going to have to be really good. And I really am committed to them uh, being successful in life, so I'm going to do all I can to make sure that they excel. So that's their point of view, which is a reasonable point of view, and they really do love you. So just imagine now you're a little kid and visualize as best you can, make this as real as you can. So one day what happens is you, uh, you take a look at your room, and for no particular reason, it's like any four- or five-year-old's room, it's total chaos. And for no particular reason, like, I'm going to clean it up. And you close the door and you, uh, you uh, start throwing things into, into the closet and under the bed and you start fixing and straightening and you go wild for three, four minutes. Then you open the door and you can, Mommy, Daddy, come look, look, look. And Mom and Dad walk to the door and they take a look and they say, Hey, that's not bad. I mean, that's great. You tried to clean up your room, but there's still stuff on the floor and you can still see the stuff under the bed and, you know, now your closet looks like a total wreck. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. And you think, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. And now it's a little while later, and you're playing some sport. Say you're playing soccer, and mom and dad are in the stands, and you're running back and forth, up and down the field, and you kick a goal. And you are so excited. You look up in the stands, and mom and dad, and you wave, and you feel so good about that goal. And when the game's over, you run up and say, Mom, Dad, did you see me? Did you see me kick the goal? And mom and dad said, yeah, but you seem to have a kind of intensity or focus when you kicked that goal that you didn't have for most of the game. You know, if you really did that for the entire game, maybe you could have had two or even three goals. And you said, oh, okay, thank you. And now it's a little while later, and you've just started school, and you're in kindergarten or first grade, and you got your first report card. 
and you've got four A's and two B's, and you are so excited, you fly out of the schoolyard, and you run home, report card waving in the breeze, you burst through the door, Mom, Dad, look, look, look. And Mom and Dad walk over, and they say, Hey, you're a bright kid. You're a very smart kid. But what did you do in these courses? You got A's. You didn't do in the two courses. You got B's. You think if you could figure that out and apply yourself, you could get five or six A's. And you notice that no matter what you do, mom and dad talk about how you could have done better and how what you did wasn't quite enough. If this is characterizes your interactions with mom and dad as you're growing up, what do you think you've concluded about yourself by the time you're three, four, five years old? I'm not good enough. answer? That's right. That's how beliefs are formed. Beliefs are formed trying to give meaning to your interactions with mom and dad. Because at the age when you're starting, you don't know anything. And the first thing that we try to do as human beings is understand ourselves in life. And anything that mom and dad do, they're grown-ups. They know what they're doing. So if they're dissatisfied with me in any way, it's got to be me. So what does it mean that mom and dad are critical? I guess that means I'm not good enough. What does it mean that mom and dad aren't around very much? I guess if, they, if I were important, they'd be around, so I guess I'm not important. What does it mean that mom and dad make all the decisions and never ask me and I never get to do anything I want? I guess I'm powerless. So we form our beliefs. Now, we form beliefs about things for the rest of our lives. We form beliefs about the business world when we get into the business world. We formed our beliefs about terrorism probably after 9-11. So when we encounter things throughout our entire life, we're forming beliefs every day forever. But our basic beliefs about ourselves and life are being formed as we ask questions, what does it mean that mom and dad are doing this or that I have to do this or I can't do this? So we are forming our basic beliefs from the age of two, three, four, and if you've got kids or been around kids, you will notice that there's a big difference in children, their personality, the way they are, the way they act, the way they deal with strangers, etc., at the age of three or four. So that's the first thing. That's how the beliefs are formed. So well, you with me so far, Joe? Yeah, that's a, that's a great example, and everybody can see how it's working. And I've always pointed out to people that it's not just our parents, it's our family and friends. Even when we're kids, our parents have family and friends. We're often sent to the schools. We have all kind of ways that we come to conclusions and create beliefs before we're, would you say, of a conscious age, before we're of an aware age? Well, uh, I think you can get, um, well, this is a little more complex, but you can get mm -hmm. emotional senses even before language. So uh, we have a process that deals with senses. You can get a negative sense if mom or critical or uh, even, even if there's a tone of voice or there's a mm -hmm. facial expression of anger, we're picking that up before we even understand the words. And uh, we have a negative emotional sense of ourselves uh, could be at the age of six months or nine months or a year, even before we have language and can understand what's going on or could put that feeling into words. So, yes, it actually starts even earlier than that. And I agree that uh, all of our experiences are interpreted by us in terms of what does it mean. But my experience really still is with all of our people that the basic beliefs of self-esteem beliefs are 99.9% .9 of the time formed out of interactions with parents because those are the people we need for our survival. So there's, a, there's an importance, even when you have siblings that beat up on you or treat you badly or whatever, I have still found, and I'm, I'm very open to learning differently, 
But my experience has been is that with thousands and thousands of people, when you go back and look, you always find the source of the basic self-esteem beliefs from mom and dad, unless in the very rare cases you live with grandparents or aunts and uncles and they actually spend more time bringing you up. You're around them uh, or, you know, full-time grandparent in effect because mom and dad both work. The mom and dad are still important, but if some grandparent spends the entire day and they're the, basically the people who raise you, then their behavior can be influential too. But other but than something me. that extreme, it mm-hmm. is parents is where they come from. But one way or the other, we're creating beliefs early on. Yes. Okay. okay. So, so that's, that we now got the belief. Well, now All what right. do we do? Yeah, what do we so do? Take a look. Okay, so for you, those of you listening and you're following along, you've now got this belief. So I'm now going to sort of walk you through the, the steps of the process to show you why beliefs are normally hard to get rid of and actually what it takes to get rid of them in just a few moments. So can you see that? I'm now talking to you again. Answer my questions. Can you see that the belief I'm not good enough is a reasonable, valid, logical interpretation of your circumstances? Yes, I can you, know, see. You, you, you didn't make a mistake. There was nothing silly or stupid about that interpretation. It made sense to a four-year-old to say mom and dad's behavior means I'm not good enough, right? Yes, I'd look around and come to that conclusion very easily and sanely. It makes sense. Okay, very, yeah, very good. Because it's important to see it. It's not as if why did I, why was I so stupid? Why did I come up with something so stupid? It wasn't stupid. It is a valid interpretation and the one that virtually any kid would come up with. Good. Now we're going to play a little game, and I call the game possibilities. So we're not looking for the right answer because you have the wrong answer, because you certainly have a truth. But what else could those events mean? And when you really take a look at it as an adult, you discover that mom and dad's behavior could have lots of meanings. For example, it could be is mom and dad's anger was not because I'm not good enough, but because they had unreasonable expectations. They expected me to behave as a, as a 15 or 20-year-old when I was four years old. So their anger had nothing to do with me not being good enough. It had to do with not living up to their expectations. Isn't that a valid interpretation? Absolutely. can come to that sure. conclusion just by what I saw, yes. Very good. Another valid interpretation might be is, is that mom and dad's reaction to me, their anger, their yelling, their disappointment, wasn't because I'm not good enough. They just had lousy parenting skills. If they took a couple parenting courses, they might be totally different. <laughs> that could explain their behavior. Another interpretation is, is maybe I'm not good at certain things. It doesn't mean that I'm not a good enough person inherently. I'm just not good at chores or I'm not good at listening or coming to the table when I'm called to the table or something like that. I'm not good at being quiet. doesn't mean I'm not a good enough person. That's another interpretation. And a logical interpretation may not be true, but logical is maybe mom and dad actually thought I wasn't good enough. But the fact that they thought so doesn't make it true. They could be right or they could be wrong. Mm. And we could go on forever, but you just start getting the sense, wait a minute, what I've been living with as a fact, as the truth, about me since I'm a little kid. It's not the truth. It is a truth. It's one possibility. But there's a lot of interpretations of those events that are just as valid as the one I came up with. Okay? So we've now seen that there's lots of explanations rather than just the one you came up with. Yeah, there's all kind of possible alternatives. Yes. That's right. So you find other alternatives. You start breaking it up. Now, here's the next step. And again, you, you can't listen to me do this Nothing's going to happen. You've actually got to do it. 
And if you do it, belief will go away, and you'll have a real uh, 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 useful experience. So don't listen to me. Do follow the instructions. Go back and imagine yourself as a little kid. Imagine mom and dad being critical, being dissatisfied, being annoyed, frustrated, or angry when you're not doing what they want. And as you observe one of those events or get a sense of all those events, making it real right now as being, being a little child right now, take a look. Doesn't it seem as if you can see I'm not good enough? And if you're really looking, the answer 80% of the time is, and I'll explain the other 20 in a minute, of course I can see it. It's, it's right there. As I'm looking at mom's anger and dad's frustration, of course I can see I'm not good enough. And then my next question is, can you really see it? Because anything you can see, by definition in a sense, has a color, a shape, a location, so anything in the entire universe, no matter what it is or where it is, if you can see it, you can describe it. So can you really see I'm not good enough? And mm-hmm. as you look, what do you realize? I can't it's see not it. There. It's not you there. It's not there. exactly right. It's not there. Yeah. What is there? All that's really there is mom and dad's reaction to you. Mm-hmm. So where is I'm not good enough? It's in my head. It's, it's in, in your head. It's a, so it's what you've been living with your whole life is something in the world that I can see that's a fact is only in your mind. Mm. And then the next step is to take a look and say is, well, what does mom and dad's behavior really mean? What do I know for sure about me as a human being from the fact that when I was a kid, I didn't do what mom and dad wanted or the way they wanted, and they would get angry or frustrated or annoyed? And you suddenly realize is, I don't know anything about me. Because their behavior could mean they had terrible parenting skills. It could be their own beliefs. It could be that they thought I wasn't good enough but were wrong. It could mean so many different things that mom and dad's behavior has no meaning until you give it one. Mm. That's the punchline, isn't it? Until you give it. That's the punchline. And here's the, here's the, 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 the next punchline, the double punchline. Okay. How do, how do most people know reality? How do you know? We were talking about this before. What's in the world is real. If you can see it, it's got to be real. See, Joe, if you disagreed with me, I'd say, Joe, take a look. Open your eyes. Can't you see that I'm right? Look at the mm. evidence. Because for most people are visual, and most people know reality because they can see it. So why is the belief so stuck? Why is it so hard to get rid of? Because you've spent your whole life thinking you saw it in the world, time mm. after time. Whoa, that, that's a powerful statement right there. We spent our whole life thinking we saw the belief in reality in the world, but it was really in our mind. That's right. So the reason it's so hard to get rid of is today I can say, Joe, How could you believe you're not good enough? Look at the contribution you've made. Look at your accomplishments. Look at what you've done. Can you see that that's the stupidest, illogical thing in the world? And you say, Morty, you're right. I shouldn't believe it. It makes no sense at all. It's it's self-sabotaging. It's going to go away. It's gone. But deep down is, but I saw it every day in my childhood. Hmm. And if I saw something, how can I pretend that it's not out in the world? I saw it. So the reason most therapies or most other type of disciplines, 
they can be very valuable at learning how to cope with it better, deal with it better, etc. But most of the other things don't get rid of it because they don't address the fact that deep down you think you saw it. And if you saw it, it's got to be true in the world. And what this process does is very simply, it takes you back to where you think you saw it, and then as you look and realize, wait a minute, I only saw events that could have lots of different meanings. The meaning I chose is only in my mind. It's not in the world. Wow. Now, that's a pretty amazing process. I have several questions about it, if you don't mind. Uh, I just want to say one thing. There's another variation which we don't need to get into now because I don't want to take the time. Mm -hmm. But for those people that are primarily kinesthetic, there's another few minutes where you're able to look at it in a way that's more valid. Because some people say, I didn't see it, I felt it. So for those people, there's another process we go through to to help them uh, handle the feeling part. Uh, But that's that's all I did for 20 years. And then in the last few years, I kept hearing people say, I didn't see it, I felt it. And I said, well, maybe there is something to it. Maybe they really didn't see it, and I developed something else. But as I said, let's let that go, and let me answer your questions. Well, I think you've, you've partially alluded to it anyway, so they have an answer to it. So yeah. do we have to go back for each belief and look at it in the way you just described? So in other words, if a person has an issue with money, and they think money is a struggle or life is difficult, do they have to take that and go back to being a child and seeing their family relationship with money in order to find it and then try to see it? Uh, Do they have to go through that whole process? Uh, To the best of my knowledge, yes. I mean, maybe somebody has some other way of doing it. But the process that I have and what we've just talked about is you think you saw I'm not good enough. You also think you saw I'm not capable. You also think you saw I'm not competent. Now, they're, they're similar. They come from the same type of events, mom and dad being critical, but each one of them exists as something you think you saw. So my experience is on very rare occasions you get one, get one belief and a very, very similar belief might go away. But almost always each belief exists separately, and you've got to go through the process on each belief, even if it's a similar type of belief. Well, do you happen to have a number for how many beliefs are operating with somebody? For example, if it is with money, you've been throwing the number 10 out or 8 or 10 or 15. Is that how many beliefs are usually active in a particular subject like that? Well, it depends really on the issue. As I was saying before, we have a a bunch of programs available. Mm -hmm. Procrastination has 16. Social Hmm. anxiety has 16. Fear of rejection has 9. Worrying about what people think of you is 10. Um, Lack of confidence Generally, we have like 23. The critical Hmm. little voice in your head, there's 18. So it really depends on what the issue is. And regarding money, there's two things you'd need for money. One is I've discovered that people with money problems also have negative self-esteem beliefs. So Hmm. you'd not only need to deal with money issues, but you'd need to deal with um, uh, some sense that I'm not deserving, I'm not good enough, I'm not capable, etc. And then money is complicated because there can be several different areas. We can either have a hard time asking for the money we deserve, which is Mm -hmm. one issue. We can spend more money than we make. We can never save anything, even though we make lots of money. That's another issue. We can find that that even though we make a lot of money and save, that there's like never enough. There's just no matter what it is, we keep increasing our standard of living. But like we can't build any wealth, even though we make a lot of money. So there Mm -hmm. can be three or four different what I call money patterns or money types of problems 
and each one might have some slightly different beliefs. So I, I, offhand, I don't know how many there would be with each one, well, but there would no, be a number specific. of self-esteem beliefs and money beliefs. Uh, some of the most common money beliefs are you have to work hard to make money, I don't have enough money, or there's never enough money. Money is a struggle. And then two other beliefs that are not money beliefs, but I find with almost anybody with a money problem, is I'm not deserving and life is difficult. Interesting. Well, you've been very specific, though. When you say that there's 18 beliefs or 9 beliefs or 23 beliefs, it sounds like you found the key things right there. And if somebody bought your a CD to go through any one of those particular problems, that they would release that issue. Is that a fair assessment if they bought, for example, social anxiety? We know a lot of public speakers who have problems, or they want to be a public speaker, but they're concerned about social anxiety, and they bought the CD for that. Is it gone once and for all by using that CD? I, I, we actually have a, have a uh, money-back lifetime guarantee forever mm. and ever that it goes away and will never come back. Uh, and my sense is that this would work for, say, 90% of the people. 10% are always a little different, and they will have a few beliefs that they've got other issues in their life that impinge on this so that they would have these beliefs probably, and they may have two or three or four others. So uh, I can't guarantee that mm -hmm. everybody has these beliefs, but I, I, we worked this out based on 24 years of experience, and all the times we worked with somebody with procrastination, we went back and took a look at our notes and said, what beliefs did it take to get rid of in order mm. to get rid of the, uh, the problem? And these are the ones, and we added a couple extra just to make sure. Some people might get rid of it by doing two or three less beliefs. You, you may mm -hmm. have a procrastination problem or social anxiety, or you buy a package of 18 and discover, I don't have three or four of them. I just mm -hmm. don't have those, but I got the other 14. Mm -hmm. so when you get rid of the other 14, the problem will go away. Fascinating. So, yes, that's a reasonable assumption to say is that for one of the packages where we've already got the experience and know that these are the beliefs for most people, there is a lifetime guarantee that problem will go away when you do all of the beliefs in that package. Well, I love that you have a lifetime guarantee. Again, from a marketing standpoint, that's what people need to be doing is putting their faith behind their product or service, and you're certainly doing that. So I have to ask you a different kind of question here. How does this differ for some of the other methods that are out there for releasing beliefs? For example, EFT is amazingly popular and you and I have never talked about that that I can remember when we were in Bermuda. So what are your thoughts on EFT as well as some of the other belief-finding, um, belief-cleansing, belief-clearing processes that are touted out there? Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not a student of any. I mean, I've heard mm -hmm. about them, NLP, et cetera. My sense is, is that we are all ultimately energetic beings. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, there is, a, there is a Joe and a Morty that really is nothing but energy, and, you know, there's a game we play in a physical form so if somebody really knows how to move energy because our beliefs probably exist in some energetic form mm -hmm. and if somebody could find a way to really move and and change energy i i would suspect i don't know for sure i wouldn't say i i'm, I'm sure but i would be very open to the fact that you could eliminate a belief by doing something with energy if you really were an expert or a master in being do the, doing that. I have had so many people, however, who've done TFT and EFT and all of those things uh, where it helped in some areas a little bit, but most of the beliefs they started with they still have, and in very rare cases did a significant problem uh, such as a phobia or an anxiety or social anxiety, et cetera, actually go away and stay away. 
So I'm not saying that it can't be done with that, but that for that that mm-hmm. my experience is we've had lots of people come to us after doing NLP and virtually every other kind of discipline I've ever heard of and say my problem is still here. Uh, but mm-hmm. since I'm not really a student of any of the others, I don't know exactly how they work, and I wouldn't want to say that they can't work if uh, if applied by an expert. Because my stuff might not work as well if somebody who didn't really know how to do it did, and I wouldn't want somebody to say, "Oh, I tried the Lefko process. A, <laughs> a guy named a guy named Frank did it on me, and nothing changed at all. Right. Well, he wasn't doing what I do, so yeah. I don't know. So I, I don't want to criticize yeah. any other disciplines. I'm just saying is. Uh, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. for sure. And the one thing that I just would have a suspicion about, you've either got to deal with or find some way around the fact that you think you saw it. And if you think you see something in the world, I mean, take a look outside. It's daytime mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. Good. Close your eyes. Is there anything in the world I could do to convince you that it's not daytime? I could, <laughs> I could say I'm going to kill you unless you say it's nighttime, and you'll say it's nighttime because... The, 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 the threat is bad enough. So I can make you say anything. Mm. But deep down, there's no way to make you get rid of the fact that you know it is daytime out because you saw it. <clears throat> and once true. you see something, you think you see, and it's the same thing. Now, you didn't really see I'm not good enough, but it feels as if you did. Mm. And as long as you think you did, you've got to find some way to either to, to recognize you didn't see it or some other way around it, and I don't know what that is, but I'm always open to there being stuff that I don't know about, so <laughs> anything possible. <laughs> well, I love that answer, and I love your honesty, and I love your open-mindedness. And we only have a few minutes left, and there's something I want to ask you, but I want to make sure that we give all of your websites. First of all, I did mention your book earlier, Recreate Your Life, Transforming Yourself and Your World. That's still in print, isn't it, Morty? Can people still get that from Amazon or from yeah, you? Yeah, it, 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 you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I mean, you get any bookstore, and we've got okay. a distributor. Or you could buy it directly from me. Just go to Lefko Institute, L-E-F-K-O-E Institute.com, and you'll see a link there, and we'll get it out to you in 24 hours. I highly uh, recommend Or if you want to go to your bookstore, that's fine. Yeah, I highly recommend everybody read it, because it's really got to take this to a whole different level. And it's going to make you reflect on your beliefs, and it'll help explain the process even more. So, recreate your life, transforming yourself and your world is the book by Morty. Go get it, Amazon bookstores, and so forth. And then all of the packages you were referring to, Morty, that's at recreateyourlife.com. Is that not correct? Yeah, if you go to recreateyourlife.com, uh, we actually make it difficult for you to buy. Interestingly enough, <laughs> I'm actually wanted to talk to you about that at some point because we basically say is. Don't buy it until you've tried it and you see it works. You actually see the belief goes away. Uh, and when you actually get that experience, wait a minute, something I saw that I knew was true is gone. And when you have that mm. real, you know, real, like you had the first time, mm-hmm. that pow experience, then if you want to buy, you'll be led to the store and you can do it. So I'm not even going to tell people how to go and buy the product and wh- where the store is. Just go and eliminate one belief free. And if it then works for you, as it will for almost everybody, you'll then be told, here is how to find the store to buy individual beliefs or any of the packages we've been talking about. Okay, that's at RecreateYourLife.com. And what Morty was referring to is that I have personally worked with him, and in fact it was filmed. If you go to my uh, video blog, which I don't know the site for right off the bat, but I'll give it out later, and I'll add it to the newsletter that goes with this interview. But I, was, uh, I did a session with Morty on impatience, as I remember, 
And one of the first things I discovered is that that wasn't a belief, that was an issue. And a lot of us go into this or try to work with you by thinking the problem is a belief where the problem is the situation and there's beliefs behind it, creating it. But that whole thing, uh, four parts, I think, were filmed by Nerissa, and that's on my video blog. And so the other thing I wanted to ask you is about the spiritual part of your process, because I've worked with you enough to know that you get to a place that is incredibly empowering, enlightening, and freeing. And it's kind of a spiritual place. And I thought, can you at least talk about that for a moment or two? Sure, thank you. I, I, it's, it's for me... Uh as valuable and as important uh, as the uh, belief elimination part. Uh, now, this was another example of something that I didn't realize was there for probably 10 years. And I took a course, uh, uh, wasn't taught by Lawrence Lachan, but one of his uh, students or protégés. Hmm. Um, and uh, when I got home, I had a sense of it was talking about uh, shifting your identity and, and about spirituality. And I said, you know, there's something about the experience that I had this weekend it's very similar to what I get from when I, when I, after I eliminate a belief. So again, I started doing some thinking about it and playing with it and realized that uh, you, you either automatically go into or all it takes is a couple of questions to have people go into this altered state of consciousness, this, this shift in identity, uh, where you actually shift from, uh, I'm this creation, I am this I am this, this combination of beliefs. I'm somebody who's not good enough or who is good enough or who's not important, who is important, and, and how those beliefs manifest. I'm a hard worker. I'm a good parent. I'm a whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm a good citizen, uh, and, and I, I feel happy all the time or I feel miserable all the time. That's me. I am my beliefs and how I act and feel based on my beliefs. But when a belief goes away, you suddenly realize, wait a minute, the thing that I said I am, I'm not good enough. That's gone. But I'm still here. So you then have to take a look and say, wait a minute. If who I thought I was, my beliefs and how they manifest is gone, and I'm still here, I can't be my beliefs. And you have this profound realization, not as, a, as an understanding or something you've read, but a deep, profound experience that, wait a minute, I, there had to be a me before there were these beliefs. <laughs> and the me is the one that gave meaning to mom and dad's behavior. So I'm the creator of the creation. I'm not merely this creation walking around doing what I think and feel, etc. There is a Morty who's on the phone right now. But I could eliminate every belief I've got, and the Morty that's on the phone would, would be totally different. I'd say different things. I'd feel different. I'd act different. I'd react. But there's something that's the same. And the thing that's the same is what you call the witness and what we could call consciousness or the creator or whatever word you want to use. So when beliefs go away, there's a short little couple-minute process that just sort of helps make clear that who you really are is the creator of the creation, not merely the creation called Joe or Morty or whoever. And uh, it's a very profound experience. And as you just said, when you, it's empowering because in that state, when you actually shift your identity, it feels as if anything is possible. It feels as if there's nothing missing. It feels as if you have no limitation. So all sense of victimization totally disappears. Imagine how powerful that that is. Yeah, so that's part of the process. And as I say, there's a short little thing when you you do one of the free beliefs, it's sort of automatically added on, and you'll have that experience at the end. And if you buy any of the packages, there's actually a separate little process 
that's there, and you can actually get a uh, an MP3 of it so that you can walk around with that little uh, short process on your iPod or whatever. Anytime mm-hmm. you're feeling victimy or uh, out of sorts or depressed or feel suffering or whatever, all you've got to do is uh, listen to that thing. Once you've eliminated one belief, then this process will work, and you can put yourself into that altered state in a matter of minutes. This is amazing. What a fascinating conversation. I can talk to you for hours. Well, first of all, my blog, the video blog, where you can see the five-part um, pro- – you can watch a belief disappear as Morty works with me personally. This was in Bermuda. It's broken into five parts. It's on my video blog, and that's at drjoevitale.blogspot.com. Or you can just go to my main site, mrfire.com or joevitale.com. Look on the left, and you'll see a link to my video blog. And all of these excerpts are on YouTube and I think if you typed in, if you went to YouTube and typed in Watch a Belief Disappear with Morty Lefko, you'd find them. But it's on my video blog, Dr. Joe Vitale, D-R-J-O-E-V-I-T-A-L-E.blogspot.com. You'll see it listed. Then, of course, Morty's main website is leftgoinstitute.com. You want to go and remove some beliefs for free and try the process, go to recreateyourlife.com. The book is Recreate Your Life, Transforming Yourself and Your World. I think it's a masterpiece. Go get it. Morty, do you have a thought, takeaway point, quote, something you want people to do as we round this out? Yeah, two things. One is it's one other place that people can go for information. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, the book is now about uh, 10, 12 years uh, 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 old, and although I still would stand by just about everything in it, there's a lot of new stuff I've developed since then. And I write a weekly blog in which oh, I, yeah. I do relatively long posts of about 11, 1,200 words on different aspects of beliefs. And that the, uh, the uh, website for that is the URL is just MortyLefko.com, M-O-R-T-Y-L-E-F-K-O-E.com. And if you uh, start getting that, you'll be looking at all the, uh, the most recent thoughts that I've had and, and discoveries uh, uh, on beliefs and how they apply to our lives. So that's just a piece of information. And in terms of my last word is, it's just I just want people to realize that when people, I I was depressed for a large part of my life. And it seemed that's the way life was. I mean, I wanted to get out of it, but that's life was depressing. I felt hopeless and helpless and despair, and that's the way things were. And I was incredibly needy. I screwed up two marriages because I was so needy. I couldn't live without somebody in my life. I couldn't make it. And in order to make sure they didn't leave me, I put so much pressure on them to be around all the time that the pressure drove them away and I ended up being left alone. So this was the way life was. And what people need to get is no matter how bad things are, if you can get that the way your life is is a function of your beliefs, what you're feeling, what you're doing, how you're living your life is a function of beliefs, and beliefs can be changed in a mat- literally in a matter of minutes, then it's not going to make the depression or the anxiety or the fear go away. But you can sort of take a little step back and say, as bad as it is now, there is a solution. So all my last words would be is, don't give up hope, no matter how bad things are, eliminating some beliefs can change anything that you're dissatisfied with in your life. And the one thing that you said in there that was so wise, and we didn't harp on it at all, is how quickly this process works. When I first talked to you in Bermuda, you were saying that you can remove beliefs in 10 minutes, 15, under 20 minutes. 
Um, we didn't speak to that, but what you just said is they can be removed in minutes. It does not have to take a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, 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 long, the longest process we have is a half hour where I go very slowly <clears> to make <throat> sure everything's understood. The shortest one on these programs is 20, and I've done it with people in as little as, as seven or eight or nine minutes. If, if they know the source of the belief and can sort of follow along, it's just before you know it, the belief is gone. That's amazing. Morty, you're doing wonderful work in the world. I'm proud to call you my friend. My love to you and your wife, and I'll see you down the road. And Hypnotic Gold listeners, Godspeed to you. I'll see you next month with another fascinating Hypnotic Gold interview. Over and out. My pleasure.